everyone, and welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Jean McCarthy. I write the blog, Unpickled. That's where I've been chronicling my life in sobriety since my very first day without alcohol in 2011. I tell my story there, and I invite you to share your stories here. And today on the podcast, a listener joins us. She was listening to a recent episode and heard me say, hey, if you want to be on the show, just send me a message. And she followed her heart and sent a message. And here she is. So Liz is, uh, has just recently celebrated six months of sobriety. In fact, she might be into month seven now. And she joins us today to look back on her life before, during, and after the pivotal time. Liz, welcome to the Bubble Hour. Hi, Jean. How are you? I, oh, I just I'm wanted- good. I want to thank you so much for having me. This is such a it's such an honor and a pleasure to talk to you and um I'm just looking forward to being able to tell my story and hopefully it'll, you know, help somebody if they listen to it or or not, but hopefully it will. <laughs> I can guarantee it will. I mean, that's how it works. And thank you for paying it forward because I know the Bubble Hour has been one of the tools in your toolbox. Yes. And here you are sharing your story so that um, you can help someone else the way that other guests have helped you. So I appreciate that because that just keeps it all moving forward. Thank you for being here. Great. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's get to know you. Tell us a bit about yourself and tell us your story. Okay. Um, well, I'm 47 years old. Um, I live in a um, like a New York suburb of, in New Jersey, but like a suburb of New York City, um, so kind of like a commuter town. Um, and I'm married and have um, two kids, a 14-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old son, and two dogs. Um, and currently, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Um, yeah, I worked prior to having kids, but I've been home, and someday I'll find something to go back to. But for right now, it it, it seems to work out well. Um, and so I guess I'll just, I'll, you know, maybe jump into my childhood just sort of quickly and then sort of move on to um, where I sort of thought my trouble started a couple years ago um, with my relationship with alcohol. Um, so I was born in New York City, and I grew up um, in the New York and New Jersey suburbs. We moved a little bit um, when I was young. Um, my parents were together, married, stayed together. I had one younger sister. Um, and all, I don't have any big you know, tragic, terrible, luckily, I'm very, very lucky, um, you know, things that happened in my past, kind of a normal growing up childhood. Um, the big family on my dad's side of the family that we would always get together with and very, very, very big drinking culture in my family, just from the start, you know, a lot of this in in kind of um, looking at my relationship with alcohol has made me sort of look back on, on everything and kind of like, huh, where did things maybe start? Um, So definitely big, lots of big, big family celebrations um, where, you know, alcohol was very celebrated um, and romanticized and, um, you know, get togethers at my grandma parents' house in upstate New York and cocktail hours and, and you know, different things like that. So I certainly grew up with a, around a lot of alcohol. Um, my parents were big drinkers. My dad um, it, it kind of went back and forth on, on drinking, but my mom was always a very, very, very big drinker, and that's something that kind of in the back of my head I look at and kind of thought, hmm, maybe, you know, I should be careful there. It, it um, and I don't. I haven't really done enough research on 
whether it's genetics or not genetics or, or different things like that, but I had heard an interesting thing that I just keep in, in my head um, in listening to different, different podcasts. This isn't necessarily a sobriety po- podcast, but I'd listened to some of the Dax Shepherd's podcasts, and he had on Brene Brown once, and they were talking about recovery and not drinking because they're both in recovery or she just kind of pulled the trigger on drinking early on. And But she talked a little bit about her family and that there was a lot of drinking. She said that she and her husband have always said to their kids that um, like genetics loads the gun and environment pulls the trigger. And I just thought that was really interesting Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe genetically something was there for me. And then a number of years ago, something pulled the trigger where it just sort of went awry for a while there. Um, So then I I went to college. I sort of had a different college experience. I, um, you know, I went to a school that a lot of people in my family went to a big alumni background, and I really thought that's where I wanted to be and and have a great college experience. And then I wasn't so happy there, and I took a little time off, and I transferred to another college. And, and funny enough, during all those times, and, and there was certainly a lot of drinking around both colleges and things like that, I when I was kind of having a tough time trying to figure out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't out partying. I wasn't doing those kinds of things. And um, sometimes I think we look at what our older selves could tell our younger selves to know in the future. And I'm like, gee, maybe I should have had my younger self tell me some things along the way, because for some reason back then I didn't numb with alcohol. Um, so, you know, I graduated from college. I lived and worked in the city a little bit. I, I moved to Seattle for a year for a different experience, um, decided that, you know, East Coast was kind of more of where I wanted to be near family. So I moved back home again, um, had different various kind of unexciting jobs in the corporate world during my 20s, um, you know, and had fun and socialized and, you know, would go out and drink, but but not, you know, certainly I could go out and tie one on, but nothing, um, nothing out, I wouldn't feel like out of the ordinary, or it was nothing that I felt like was uh, problematic for me in in any way, um, shape or form. Um, And then, you know, so so I'm kind of going along with, you know, with my life in my late 20s, I meet my husband and we get married. um, And we move out to New Jersey, back out to the suburbs. Um, and after about a year or so, we had we had our first child, and you know certainly during this time, I was you know probably at the end of the day, every day I would come home from work and and drink some wine and have some wine with dinner, and you know, but I'm getting up, going to work every day. Um, again, nothing you know um, that seemed problematic um, to me or that I was you know feeling bad about. Um, had two children had no problem stopping drinking um, while pregnant and then but certainly after I had them I very quickly went back to enjoying wine at night um and then through the years of just being home with the kids um it definitely just looked um enjoyed drinking my wine when it turned to be five o'clock and then and and play dates with moms and drinking wine and it all seemed so okay and fine and and not that there is anything wrong with it but it it, and it's so um you know as I've come to learn you know just through all of my reading and research and over the last number of months and year um you know how the advertising industry has just 
like I guess made so much money advertising this to women and um, the rosé all day and, um, you know, mommy's time out and things like that. And it's funny, I never thought of myself as somebody that would be swayed by advertising. But yeah, I think subconsciously I was and not that that's the excuse for where I found myself, but just that it's, you know, I used to think all of that was so funny and I certainly had some of the t-shirts and I you know, went along with all of it and loved it and now I just now today and I, and I'm not against it I just today I see sort of the different the different side of it um so I guess I would say that um you know I was, I was trying to pinpoint a little while ago where I sort of thought my alcohol consumption took a bad turn so I definitely for many many years with the kids growing up um was drinking wine every night but again it was like one to two glasses two glasses it wasn't it wasn't anything now somebody would say that that's problematic but for me it wasn't I wasn't feeling problematic about it I um everything in in my life was going fine and if the kids needed me in the middle of the night I was up in the middle of the night and there was no problem getting up in the morning nothing and it was just something that I that I did and enjoyed um but I feel like in 2016 I sort of track it back um I feel like something sort of changed and nothing big or major specifically happened, but I just, those two glasses, you know, started turning into a bottle and probably maybe even more at times. Um, Towards the end of 2016, there was sort of a stressful situation that went on with my mom and my sister and my husband and I had to get involved and and help them out. And it was, just sort of particularly stressful through the holiday time. And I definitely noticed my drinking increased at that point. It was like I was absolutely numbing and trying to numb down the feelings and the anxiety over what was going on. Um, But prior to that, my drinking had increased. I um, had a couple of good girlfriends that we would – start to get together, you know, once a month or maybe more than once a month and enjoy loving going out to lunch and drinking at lunch. And, oh, boy, is that ever great, the idea of day drinking. I just loved that a whole lot. But then I started to realize I was, I think, even more looking forward to the fact of doing the drinking at lunch than actually being and spending time with my friends. Um, And so it, it just... It, just a lot of sort of little things I started to to look at, um, and that drinking had just become a lot, a, a lot in my head, taking up a lot of headspace. Um, you know, when I would drink, the kids are old enough now at this point where they're doing activities and having to carpool for activities, and oh, I don't want to do the the late end of the carpooling because I'm going to want to be drinking my wine and and like thoughts thoughts like that um so i would say at the beginning of 2017 i kind of decided in my own head this is this is maybe uh you know kind of coming becoming a, a problem and i was like all right i'm gonna take a month off from drinking and um you know i also started to worry a little bit about you know what it could all be doing to my insides even though i felt fine and i eat well and i work out and even if i had a hangover i would get up every day and go work out and do everything i needed to do i still felt like hmm, something's going on here 
So I stopped drinking for about a month, for a whole month, between, I guess, February and March, but never with the intention that, oh, I need to stop drinking. It was more like, okay, I've taken a break, now I can go back, but I'll never, I promised myself I would never go back to the way things were, you know, drinking so much, and that I would moderate and tone it down and, and this and that. Well, that's the really just a big joke, and that's part of my story. Is, is, I is that moderation just for some reason is really just flew out the window. So, I spent the rest of 2017 not drinking every day, taking time off during the week. But then I would find that I think when I did allow myself to drink, and it was like this whole moderation game that even became taking up even more headspace. Just the constant in my head of you know, when am I going to drink today? No, maybe not today. I won't drink today. But then you can reward yourself and go ahead and, you know, drink whatever you want. So then those times, I feel like I was even more kind of overdoing it, even if I wasn't drinking every day um, and just wasting so much time and energy on, on thinking about this and having this constantly, constantly in my head. But I just, I kept doing it. I kept going, you know, on and on and on. Um, so that was really through the rest of, you know, 2017, um, and very much alone in all of this. I wasn't telling anybody or talking to anybody about it. I just was, I wouldn't think anybody would know. And certainly I don't know, I never had anything terrible or bad happen, but certainly if I was out with friends, I, you know, they could see what I was drinking. And if I ever cared to notice, I did notice that I was probably drinking a lot more than um, anybody else did. Um, And I also found that I did a lot of drinking alone, a lot of drinking at home. Um, I mean, not alone because I would have my family here, but that even sometimes social events towards the end, I didn't really care about going to because I felt like, oh, I'll have to kind of watch how much I drink because I don't want to, you know, look like I'm totally, you know, a huge lush and, or I'd pregame and definitely drink before I even went out. So I was probably already very buzzed before even, you know, going out on nights that we would go out. Um, so I'm going along, going along, and then I wake up in 2000. All now, all of a sudden, it's 2018. Time flies. Time goes fast. Um, and I really now a lot of what's happening is I'm just I'm really really starting to feel um, the anxiety and self-loathing and shame about the drinking. And the shame is a, just a really, really big thing that came in for me. It's just uh, shame is, can be such a mother effer. Um, and um, just then when I did drink or if I drank too much or I just would be waking up every day just feeling, you know, terrible about myself but then also mad at myself and why are you doing this and how did you get to this place and then I'd say I'm going to stop drinking and then I'd go right back again. I was listening to one of your podcasts just earlier yesterday um, from last year and this woman was saying how many day ones she was like the queen of all these day ones, day ones, day ones, day ones. And I felt like I had that too. So towards the end of February of 2018, um, I really just decided I had, I had to do something. I had to stop drinking. And at this point too, I was doing things like 
I'd drink a whole lot, and then I'd sit on the couch in the evening um, and start Googling things like, am I an alcoholic or how do you stop drinking? So I'm basically sitting there drunk and then Googling and looking at all these different things and promising myself that the next day I'm going to stop and the next day it's going to get better and the next day and um, just keeps going on and on. So, and at this point, I'm probably reading. I had not started listening to podcasts yet because I really didn't know that they were out there. Um, but I think I started finding some blogs and reading some different things. Um, so towards the end of February, I had a conversation with my husband, and it was very hard. Um, and he, I mean, he, he lives with me. He's been with me for, we got married in 2002, so he's been with me through the years um, and can see my drinking. But never has he ever... Um, said, you know, maybe there's a raised eyebrow on occasion when we're out and he's thinking, gee, when are we going to leave and when is she going to not have another glass of wine, but never uh, really talked to me about my drinking or said anything about it or because, you know, seemingly it wasn't anything was out of, you know, control or there was no rock bottom that had, you know, occurred. But I finally fessed up and had a conversation with him that I was unhappy with my drinking and I felt like I really needed to stop and that for some reason somewhere along the road I've become unable to to moderate and when I start I just literally can't stop and I I don't want to stop um so that felt um felt really good to like finally admit it and it was hard and I you know said I felt very ashamed about it and um he was very supportive and said that's fine that's great and that's kind of you know the way he is and um you know so he would support me in whatever I wanted to do um so I think I went about 10 days without drinking and then I decided oh I can do this I could drink again and then I drank again so I was going but now I'm starting the whole back and forth again and Googling different things about how to stop drinking. And I found um, this school called the Sober School um, with this a woman in um, the U.K. who runs it, Kate B. Um, I think I saw you might have interviewed her years ago. I, was, I did. In, I did interview yeah, her. Yeah, in flipping through many of your I – I didn't listen to it, but I think I noticed in flipping through different episodes. So I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to sign up for this course. So last April, right around this time, I think it started last April 9th, I um, started the Kate B's course. I signed up for it, and I was all ready to go, and, and here we go, and I'm going to do the course, and I'm ready to, you know, just put my all into it. And in the beginning of the course, you know, she right away says, um, you know, sometimes just deciding you're going to completely stop drinking is just way too overwhelming, but decide that you're going to just take six weeks off, you know, do the course, and, you know, give it a shot and things like that. So I started very, very strong on the course, went about yeah, maybe 10 days, and then there was a weekend where it was beautiful spring weather, and my husband had a a big um, win for something in his career, and I thought, oh, and it's like I knew I was on the course, and I was feeling good, and I was feeling good about myself, but what did I do? I drank. So then the rest of the course I took, I drank on and off. I still had in the six weeks more days not drinking than drinking. I did do all the lessons, but sometimes begrudgingly, but I felt like I paid for the course. I better just keep doing all these lessons and do this and whatever. And, of course, I'm feeling very defeated and mad at myself that, you know, I'm not succeeding. 
Um, but the course was really good because it, you know, I feel like it gave me, um, you know, it just really educated me on a lot of things and started having me really look at, like, you know, why I, you know, why my drinking had taken a bad turn and, you know, you need to identify, you know, why you're drinking. And I think initially that was hard for me because I thought, well, it's not, you know, for lots of people, I think it's like some major traumatic experience happens and then they go downhill and that's not really it. But I think I definitely was drinking to like numb anxiety. I never had thought of myself as being an anxious person, but I think just, the little things in life were making me anxious. And instead of identifying that and looking at it and and talking to myself about it, I would just numb it down. And then I definitely numbed with alcohol things that, you know, would bother me. Um, if my husband said something to tick me off instead of trying to get into it and having a conversation with him about it nope, I'm just going to numb it with alcohol or the kids are pissing me off or, you know, I've done this or that. And so now I deserve to have it. Um, so I think the course, you know, uh, put down some good kind of groundwork for me. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't remain alcohol free. And while I still had lots of things in the course, you know, in my head, um, I then spent the rest of the spring and summer with a lots of back and forths and lots of day ones. And at this point now I do start to um, really read um, different blogs. One of the first blogs I really got onto reading was Laura McGowan and uh, so much of what she said just um, really spoke to me and lots of different things that she wrote. Um, I think some of the things about Kate's course, which Kate's course was so, was, was really awesome was that, you know, a lot of it was about not making this some kind of horrible, terrible, bad thing, which I think I felt like I was so mad at myself that I put myself in this position that I was, you know, sitting here with this like shit sandwich that I got served or I served myself and how did I let this happen with alcohol now I've got to do something about it and how do I do it and I don't want to and but she took the approach of yeah, if you think this is going to be really bad it is so try to be positive about it and fill your toolbox and self-care and things like that and and I think in the beginning for me I needed to kind of have all the the grumpiness because I, I was, I would go through days of being like, I, I don't want this toolbox. This is so stupid. This isn't going to help me. And I remember on her course, one of the lessons was about gratitude and doing gratitude journals. And at that point, I just was not there. I remember opening that up and being like, oh, God, and closing it right up. I just was not in that place. And now today, I laugh at myself. I'm in a Facebook group specifically where we are posting our gratitudes every day and it's awesome <laughs> and it's great and it's wonderful but like back then I you would have I would have been like are you kidding me that's not going to help me in any way shape or form um so I um you know I took a lot of what she said and I um you know but I kept going back and forth and I kept but you know I think I knew I in something I had read it was like once you know something, you can't unknow it. And so I knew it. I knew at some point this had to end. And, you know, at the end of, like, so through last year, 
I just also, you know, I would take some time off. I would have my day, day ones and a couple days or go two weeks and then start drinking again. And then, but then when I did drink, it was getting like worse and worse and more and more and more and more kind of drinking during the day and, and hiding it and hiding bottles. And, um, I certainly did, um, through the time, uh, a lot of driving that I should not have done and driven my kids and thank God nothing ever happened. Um, and you know, I would sit and look at myself and be like, what are you doing? You, you, something is going to happen and it, and and it's going to explode this entire thing. And it's not going to, you know, like try to get out of this on a high note. And, um, you know, then I just, I just felt guilty in my, in my life with my family, my husband really is just this great, amazing man who's just come so far and has uh, like done so much in his career and really helped our family in the last number of years to get to this financial place. And I feel like one of the smartest things I did was marry this guy. And, and, and I would just wake up in the, some mornings with all, the already the shame and self-loathing and think you are going to, your life is going to fall apart. You are just, you are going to screw this up and you're going to be found out or something really bad is going to happen. And it's just going to be, Oh, so terrible and embarrassing for your whole family. So I'm just, I'm going through all these thoughts constantly. And then, and then I go back to drinking. Um, so I am taking a lot of time going back and forth on this, but it just was, it was going a lot back and forth. And then I remember I had read something or something on the course said, you know, tell somebody. And so, I mean, I had already told my husband and he, and luckily through these kind of back and forth of drinking and not drinking, he didn't, you know, uh, he probably wanted to be like, gee, I thought you said you were going to stop drinking. And, you know, he didn't do that. And I'm really, really thankful for that because that probably would have made it worse for me at the time. Cause that would have, you know, made me even more angry and more upset. Um, but I thought, you know what, maybe I should tell somebody else. So I've I have lots of good friends in town, but we have we live in a town where it's you know it's very social and everything's everybody's always you know lots of alcohol adult parties and we don't go out a ton. We're not hugely social. We kind of like to stay off the beaten path a little bit, but there I mean we could do a lot more, but we do and very social. So I'm like, how do I tackle this and talk to somebody about this? But we we have one family that we're really close with in town. Um, and she's not. I I love this the, this um, definition because I my husband's this way too, and this friend definitely is. And I learned it. I think listening to podcasts or just being on the on the in the different groups that I'm in. But a normie, I'd never heard that before. And like, <laughs> my husband is like a total normie. I mean, he could take or leave. I mean, certainly he'll go out and drink and 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 have fun and you know have beers with the guys. But I mean, he could take it or leave it. He could go. For, you know, whatever time and not, or, you know, he'll have one beer and be done. And, you know, and I'd be sitting there, you know, opening up my second bottle of wine. So this friend is like a real kind of normie too. So we took a walk one morning and I just said to her, I have something I want to talk to you about. And I, you know, fessed up that I really felt like I was, my relationship with alcohol was just not good and not in a great place. And, you know, she sort of said, well, are you saying this because you think something happened because I haven't seen you, you know, do anything and I would tell you if you did. I was like, no, you know, no, I just, I, I know it in, in my head and my heart and, you know, I didn't, 
open up to everything because I wasn't ready to spill, you know, everything. But so I told her I really thought I, you know, needed to stop. And then, of course, now then she watched me through the spring and summer and work close with them and get together with them and go on vacation with them for a week. And certainly I wasn't ready to stop drinking on vacation. I decided that. Um, we went away in August, and so and she never said anything, and she was always there and really supportive of me and whatever I decided to do. Um, but I feel bad. I sort of almost put that on her because I tell her I'm going to stop, and then I, you know, don't do anything. Um so the summer goes on and it's just and I also feel like I'm getting to a point where I used to really be able to just pull through a hangover pretty quickly um and it would never stop me I'd never lay in bed I'd always be up and getting up right away and being with my kids and ending up working out which would make me feel better um but I feel like towards the end the hangovers were really getting you know getting worse you know to the point where I felt like I wasn't going to feel better until unless I drank again which is pretty scary Um, so my birthday was at the end of August, um, and I decided, okay, you're turning 47, when your birthday's over, now you're going to stop drinking. That was at the end of August. And of course that didn't happen. Um, another day one, another day one. Um, and then there's just always, and I knew this, I mean, I've read so much, you know, lots of people have said this, there's always a reason not not to stop. There's always going to be another social event to go to. There's always going to be another, and I, and man, I could come up with all the reasons. Oh, the sun's shining. The sun's not shining. The uh, <laughs> I cleaned the house. I vacuumed today. I you know, the dog barked too much. I could always find a, the greatest reasons I thought to drink. Um, and I don't know what it was. So. Then, um, so it was my birthday passed, and then I and then Labor Day weekend came, and it's like okay, the summer's gonna end, and I just I, I was like I knew I, I I had to do something, and then we had friends that wanted to get together, a couple couples to go out to dinner over Labor Day weekend when I just thought to myself I was gonna stop drinking, and I was like this is just getting ridiculous. Um, so we went out to that dinner and I drank and I was like, at some point you're just going to have to say, you know, Oh, I'm not going to drink at this event, you know? And I don't think your friends are really going to care. I think you care obviously are much more involved in my drinking than anybody else would be. So drank Labor Day weekend. And then that next week, you know, the kids were back in school and I decided, okay, here's my day one. And then I think I had two days, and then I drank on a Thursday night, and I I just woke up on September seventh, and I just said I I can't. I, this has got to something's got to happen. So I said to my husband, and I knew for me in my head that if I could really start doing this, I could. But I wasn't going to say to him more than thirty days. But I said, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna try thirty days of the dry life, and um, he's like, okay, great you know, go for it. And I said, but listen, I said, you know, I may end up being kind of grumpy or I may end up being kind of sad or mad. And I said, I think because I've been just downing all those emotions with drinking, I said, so like, try to cut me a little slack (laughs) if I, if I, if I do that, you know, so he shook his head. Um, and then the Saturday night we had a social event, um, 
at this friend's house that I had told. And so we got there a few minutes early, and this was a, a party kicking off the football season for our sons. But, of course, it was going to be in a big adult drinking event, too, even though all the kids are there. Um, and we got to the party earlier, and I kind of stopped her in the kitchen. And I said, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to attempt 30 days of the dry life. So, you know, you'll see me not drinking tonight, and I, you know, whatever. So she, like, totally had my back that night. Somebody... One of my friends was like, so are we going to have some wine here? And she said, right, no, Liz isn't going to right away. Um, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened that day. I don't know. I mean, so much, lots of things I've read and people say they, you know, kind of had a moment of surrender and they fell to their knees and I didn't really do that, but I just decided I was going to start doing things differently. Um, and, you know, in the past all the times I tried to stop, it was like I just wanted to make it go away. I just wanted to, you know, I make a to-do list every week, and I'll I'll check things off on things that I know I need to get done. And it was like I just wanted to check off, stop drinking alcohol, wash my hands of it, and be done with it. And I finally realized, I think, that I, I couldn't do that. For as much as I wasted so the last couple years thinking so much about how I was going to drink or if I was going to drink or I shouldn't be drinking. Now I needed to continue to think to that alcohol was going to sort of consume my mind for a while, but in this more positive way of let's figure out how to, how to tackle this. So I, you know, I, didn't really read through a whole lot of Kate's lessons, but you, you get to keep them and go through them. So I did a little bit, but I really just started, I started listening to podcasts all the time. Um, I was never really a big Instagram person as far as like personally with friends. I was more of a, like a Facebook person. So I basically took my Instagram account and like deleted anybody that was like a friend that was following me. And all I did was start following all these like amazing, awesome, sober people out there um, that I feel like I know, even though I don't know them like you. Um, and, and I would just, and I know it sounds silly cause I, but people have said it before and I just would read their posts and their, you know, positive affirmations and, you know, and then different other people um, commenting on things. And, and honestly, every day I would do that. And it was really, really really helpful um there was somebody else that i followed that i started she was on one of the hours of the today show one time with laura mccowan that i think i knew her name's aiden donnelly rowley and she's a writer and she also wrote a lot wrote um different blogs and she's on facebook and she wrote something one day that i like just kept remembering and remembering where it said, if you daydream about doing life without alcohol, do the work to figure out how to stop. And I just, I kept remembering it and remembering it. And I think I even printed it out. And, and I was just like, Liz, you keep looking at this and looking at the, you're, you are daydreaming about this. So try to make it happen. And, and I would go through times of being, everybody says, you know, be really gentle with yourself, be nice to yourself. But sometimes I know me and I need a little tough love. I need a little of, come on, you can do this. Let's, you know, let's like push through this. Um, so like I said, I started doing things differently. I went, did the whole Instagram, um, account, which was really helpful, listening to podcasts, um, reading blogs, reading your blogs, reading other blogs. Um, I, 
did I downloaded a counter. I had been very resistant about doing that, and I downloaded a counter to start counting my days because I was like, you're not going to fail on this, and if you do, you're going to have to reset that counter. Um, so I started doing that, and, it, you know, I, I know people have varying degrees of feelings about doing that, but for me, it, it was extremely, and still is today, extremely helpful. So I figure if it works for me, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, and, you know, then I just kind of started to try to, like, identify why, you know, when, I mean, certainly the first month or so was tough. Um, not, I mean, I was very lucky in that I didn't, um, sleeping in the beginning was a little bit tough because, you know, I'd usually drink at night and not that I would pass out, but I could kind of just easily fall asleep. So in the beginning, I sort of had a hard time falling asleep, but then lots of times with drinking, I'd wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and then I could never fall back asleep. Um, so then pretty quickly the sleeping got better. You know, I was definitely tired and off and definitely, um, having, you know, eating a lot more sugar and sugar and snacks, um, which I just was going to allow myself. I pretty much was going to said, you know, you're going to tackle stopping drinking and, and you're not going to worry about anything else right now. Um, and just all of a sudden the days started ticking by. Um, one of the other things I did was the other times where I would take time off from alcohol, I didn't do anything socially because I didn't want to tempt myself, but I thought, you know what, if you're going to do this and you've got to get out there in life, um, so I just, I, you know, if girls were having luncheons with drinking, I would go to them and I just would get, you know, I'd get excited about, you know, the food that was going to be there and, you know, getting myself ready and, and going. And so every time I did one of those things um, socially, it was such a win. I'd come home and I'd feel so good about myself. And, and, then, and then also that I was truly having a good time because I think for so long I thought, oh, how is anything ever going to be fun again? I can't, if I can't drink, what the heck am I going to do? Um, but, but it, it, it was, I mean, but in the beginning it's tough. I, um, I remember I pretty much go to the gym every day and for the longest time through all of my back and forths, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to music. It would, I mean, I did, I would have the radio on, but every single song would bother me. If it was a happy song or a sad song or a song about drinking, or I was like, how am I ever going to listen to a Kenny Chesney song in the summer and not drink again? And it was just, I felt so agitated by any, any song. I just would like turn the radio off. I couldn't do it. Um, and I finally like, I don't know, after a couple months, it was like all of a sudden I could like listen to music again and the songs weren't bothering me and they didn't upset me. And, um, it just slowly but surely, like, things, you know, I don't started to get, started to just move forward and get better. I remember I was listening to one of your, and I remember exactly, I was in our little, like, local shopping center in the parking lot, and I was listening to one of your episodes you had on, um, I think you were at, like, a recovery seminar or maybe a retreat or something and you were talking to a couple different women and you talked to this one young girl she sounded so young and so sweet she was like probably in her 20s and I was like oh good for her she's tackling this at such a young age um and she was talking about and she was I think pretty early on in sobriety but she was talking about um like the first time she like really laughed when in sobriety and 
I remember when that happened with me after, you know, after a little bit of time that was, I mean, certainly I'd laughed, but like, I don't know, my husband or one of my kids said something funny in the kitchen and I just felt just that like real true automatic laughter come out and I almost started to cry because I was like, wow, that's totally, totally it. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I certainly laughed a lot when I was drinking. I mean, it was a lot of fun for a lot of years until it wasn't fun anymore. Um, And so, yeah, I guess I just sort of... um, kept moving along and then you know last fall we went through the holidays which I thought okay this is the holidays for us is a lot of drinking and then getting together with family and drinking and and I just thought here here you go you're gonna do it you're not gonna I think once I got like 60 days down I was just like I'm first of all I was feeling good I was feeling so proud of myself waking up every morning and all of a sudden the shame was just starting to lift and um and you know, and I did the holidays, and I had a great time during the holidays. I kind of had one one day where I was definitely feeling iffy. I would in the past sometimes, um, you know, like go hide myself in a room to wrap presents for the kids. And it would be in the afternoon, but maybe at like 3 o'clock or something, and I'd start drinking wine because, oh, I'm, I'm doing present wrapping, and I'm going to drink wine. And so when I tackled that this year I was like okay so what are we going to do so I went and did that and I had some tea and I listened to a podcast and it was you know and it was great and so it was just a lot of it too was just in the beginning was you know stopping myself and asking myself what I really needed and when I could really truly come up with the answer that it wasn't drinking it that I didn't want to do that that it wasn't going to make it better um and a big thing for me is playing my movie forward. Um, if I start to at all kind of romanticize alcohol in any way, that, oh, that glass of wine looks so nice, and I just quickly remind myself that, yeah, that looks great, but for me, that's not – it doesn't stop with one glass. I know that. I absolutely 100% am no longer have the ability to moderate my alcohol intake, like, nor – do I want to? If I were to fall back, it, if I were to have a relapse, it would not be because I thought, oh, I could have one glass of wine. It would be because I would, you know, probably get myself in a lot of trouble. Um, so I'm trying to think of other different things. Oh, one of the things that had come up for me at one point um, – when I was starting to realize that I was kind of numbing some anxiety feelings um, was a a lot of the different posts I would read or um, people bring up Brene Brown. I haven't read any of her books yet, but I will. And I know I brought her up earlier. Um, My daughter, a number of years ago at kind of a younger age than we thought, but we find people have told us it's happening younger and younger with kids these days with all the different pressures and things like that um, is she was having some really pretty severe anxiety. Um, and you know, we kind of worked with her guidance counselor who was really big and I, and the guidance counselor did a talk one day. And so I went to the talk and she talked a lot about Brene Brown and shame and anxiety and different things like that. And then I saw people post things like that. And I was like, Oh my God. And it was like a light bulb moment that, you know, we're trying to teach my daughter to, you know, find different ways um, to deal with her anxiety and different healthy coping mechanisms. And and here I am 
taking my anxieties as, you know, small as they may be and drowning them in alcohol. And at some point she's going to see that and recognize that and, and, and see what's happening. And I was like, I don't, I don't want her to ever, you know, to go down this road, especially at a younger, you know, at a teenage level. Um, and there's no fear of that right now, but I just, it just sort of was like a light bulb moment in my head. Just another reason why it, you know, it was just time for me to, um, you know, to, to make a change and do this. Um, and so kind of looking over my notes here and thinking if I, you know, I had a lot of different things I thought I wanted to I have two pages of questions for you, so. <laughs> okay. Um, so don't worry if you've run out of things to say, because I... <laughs> Okay, good. Well, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing really quickly, and then I'll and then I'll I'll let you um, go ahead with questions, um, or if you had any. Um, so I think when I did when I got to six weeks, I was feeling really good and really proud of myself, and so I wanted to backtrack and um, and get in touch with Kate. So because I feel like she was really, I mean, it was that was the first time where I. Um, you know, kind of put myself out there by taking the course. And while you take the course, you know, you have the ability to to write an email, like on a blog, with other people taking the course. And I really didn't do enough of that that I should have. I did in the beginning. But then as I started feeling like a failure since I wasn't doing so well on the course and everybody else it seemed like was going through flying colors, you know, like, you know, high-fiving and jumping through meadows of green grass not drinking and I was not doing that um you know I kind of took myself off of it a little bit even though I did the course so anyway I emailed her um to let her know how I was doing and of course you know her responses were very positive and lovely and then I did at the end of her course you can join um a secret Facebook group I didn't do it at the end of the course because I didn't want to get on you know I I didn't want to see how well you know it was like I was so wallowing in my own self-pity I didn't want to go on and see how well everybody else was doing but I thought well I've got some time under my belt now let me let me go in and and, and see what this was like of course I you know I was afraid like is it a really secret Facebook group so anyway I did that and you know once I introduced myself to the group just all these lovely ladies and lovely people and um and now, since then, I found you know other different Facebook groups that I know you you know of, <laughs> and I that has just been a huge, huge um, uh, push and help for me to be able to um, you know have been making some. Even though they're not, I my next step is to really I would like to make some in real life connections, um, you know, with people in sobriety. But that has been like a huge help for me. I'm glad you said that because I really discovered that recovery is better. Everything's better with a friend, and including recovery, um, even if it's just online connections. I mean, just listening to this podcast and sort of having these friendly voices that are complete strangers that will possibly never meet it are so helpful. And then I find it's exponentially more so when you meet people in person and you look in each other's eyes and you just, you know, even if you're just talking about the weather, you're both coming at it from an, a shared perspective. Right, and right. It's really special and powerful. And we can get sober without it. I mean, I, I was six months plus before I really made any connections in recovery, but, uh, you know, it, it does kind of breathe new life into it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think, yes. 
Um, yeah. You talked about Brene Brown and um, oh wait, Kate B. The the interview I did with Kate B. from the Sober School is uh, November of 2017. So listeners, if you want to go back into the archives and find that interview, uh, I encourage you to listen to that when you're done listening to this one, good, um, because it'll sort of bring it all home. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, go ahead. Oh no, that was it. I wasn't going to say anything. Yes, go oh. ahead. <laughs> And and then you mentioned Brene Brown, and, you know, I really encourage you to to pick up some of her work or or even just, like, the first step in Brene Brown-ology to me is watching her very first, very famous TED Talk about vulnerability and courage. Okay. And because she really just twigged into this thing where, you know, we really, we value being, like, strong and, and, um, and like never breaking down and never letting anyone see you cry. But she really brought some new language to it and said like vulnerability takes courage and you're never more brave than when you're being vulnerable with someone. And so we don't, you know, the courage comes in not hiding who we are and being brave enough to, oh, I don't know, email the bubble hour and tell your story. Right, right. Yes, <laughs> I like, told- that is what courage is. Yes, I totally agree with that. You know, and I will listen to her TED Talk. You know, it's funny. I just, in the last couple of months, I um, watched and listened to um, Glennon Doyle's um, TED Talk. And it, at right when she starts her TED Talk, she quotes Brene Brown in, one of, in, in a similar quote like that about vulnerability and putting yourself out there. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And, and I feel like women like Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle are doing such important work because they're basically they're they're not coming up with anything new. They're just they're just sort of like cutting through the BS and putting some fresh twists on language and and just uh, they're just making it clear again. Yeah. And that, I feel like maybe it's a more a woman thing, I don't know, but I just feel like things just get we just get all these mixed messages and about how we need to be <laughs> how we that, need to present right absolutely and i feel like this is too like you know this journey for me is, is that as well is that you know i just want to be authentic and out there and i don't and and um like this is who i am and not you know and i have not come out to my whole world and you know um I mean, maybe someday I'll share more things. I've kind of, it's sort of helped me to just keep this personal for right now, but obviously now I'm, but I, you know, I wanted to to share it. Um, But yeah, I I definitely agree with everything you're saying. I do think that gets easier as time goes on to, to, it's almost like you need to protect it and nurture it, your sobriety when it's early on. So if someone's like, why aren't you drinking? Are you pregnant? Or, you know, you kind of have to like rehearse some, things that you can just let roll off your tongue easily to get you through those moments because they're so awkward. Whereas for me now, you know, years into it, 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 sometimes it's still a little weird because I don't, I just don't feel like having a personal discussion with every person I meet, especially if they're like kind of being rude or something, but it, it doesn't throw me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't shake me into wanting to drink. Like it used to make me want to drink just so that I didn't right. find out. And um, you have to protect yourself from those feelings. So I, I, can, I think it's fair to take a little while and figure it out. And I, I really think that's why, like, a 12-step program, the anonymity of it, it, it helps protect people through vulnerable times when they right. need sort of the penguin huddle to, to stay safe and warm. But 
it's not it's not essential, and I feel like it, as time goes on, it gets easier to talk about. Right. It. But what do you say when someone says to you now, if you're at a social gathering and someone well, says, "Well, oh. you know, I ha- I have to tell you, it's really it 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 was something I that worried me a lot, and I know in the on the different pages I'm on, it's something that people talk about a lot. I have, except for um, two of my sister-in-laws over the holidays, seemed very interested into what was going on and why I wasn't drinking. I have been in so many social situations with friends from town and with either big drinkers or kind of normies or kind of, you know, whatever people, nobody has questioned me not drinking. Nobody has said it. So I've... In the beginning, I really thought they were all waiting for me to announce I was pregnant, which was funny. Um, <laughs> or it, I don't know. Nobody has um, mentioned it or noticed it. And so, again, maybe it was just I was concerned that, you know, it really is the way it should be. People shouldn't have be, you know, I'm not really concerned about anybody else's drinking. Perhaps they shouldn't be concerned with mine. I mean, maybe a couple people here or there like, oh, what are you drinking? Oh, I have this. And then it kind of just moves on from there. Um, but I haven't really stopped with it yet. Now, my sister-in-laws, I had to, um, they were definitely like, especially on Christmas Eve, because even if you weren't drinking every day, which I was, you know, maybe somebody would decide they're going to have a couple glasses of wine or something on Christmas Eve. So the fact I showed up and was like drinking my Diet Coke, you know, they're like, so what's going on? And I just said, you know, I'm just finding I'm better without it. Um, And the one sister-in-law kind of dove into it a little further. And I'm very close with my sister-in-laws, so it wouldn't be like talking to an acquaintance. But I just wasn't Mm -hmm. ready to start to dive into it, especially on Christmas Eve. Um, (laughs) So I, you know, I just said, I just, you know, sort of um, just decided to kind of take a break that maybe it was, you know, getting to a point uh, that I wasn't comfortable with. And but I haven't, um, like dove into this, you know, story yet. Um, and I think they were just concerned for, for me and if I was okay. And, but then I also feel like they were, um, I don't know, thinking that there was some sort of crash and burn that they needed to hear about, you know, which there wasn't, you know, luckily, luckily there, knock on wood, there, there wasn't anything, you know, major that got me to this point that said this has, you know, has to be done. Um, and, you know, you sometimes know. I almost feel like people are like a little bit disappointed when I, you know, when they're like, what happened? Right. Health and wellness. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes, right. You know, they, right. Well, everybody wants to hear, you know, the big soap opera or the big, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Or I feel like, I feel like once I start talking to people about it, they might so, sort of get into saying like, well, how, how much were you drinking? You, you mean that? Or... And those questions I sort of feel like are more they're asking because now all of a sudden they're worried about themselves, you know, and I, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think somebody said once that, you know, it doesn't necessarily for everybody that can be different. Um, I mean, I will tell you, I know I was drinking way, way too much um, for the size person that I am. And, but it was also the fact that it got to the point where it was just not working in my life. It was making me so horribly awful, miserable. I mean, I suppose I could kept going on the way I was going if I thought it was great, you know, but that, you know, that I think would have hit a crash and burn as well. Um, I love the flip side of that perspective, though, the, the image that you shared of daydreaming about sobriety, that is so true. I think, you know, if never mind worrying about how much you're drinking and when it's a sign to quit. If you are daydreaming about 
never drinking again, never needing to drink, being completely free of the hold that alcohol has on you, go do that. Like, who cares where you're at with your alcohol? You might be having next to nothing, but if your heart is telling you to free yourself of this crappy relationship, like, do that. There's no, right. no, right. nothing is necessary. <laughs> I right. love that idea. Right. I love and me, too, that I would be so, uh, at the times when I was so mad at myself over all this, is, is I was like, it's, I would talk to myself and say, Liz, it's not something you have to go, like, it's not like I have to go out and do a speaking event or I have to go take a test or I have to go do something. It's just not doing something. It's not opening that bottle of wine and it's not drinking it. Now, of course, that's, you know, it can be hard. Obviously, it is <laughs> harder than it seems in the beginning, but it was kind of the things I was trying to, you know, um, tell myself. And I, I think I continued I, I, a couple of thoughts I just remembered. Um, I... I definitely find that as like six, it, it'll be coming up on seven months next week. Um, I less and less think about it. I don't, you know, there were definitely lots of Friday and Saturday nights where I was like, okay, well, I'm not drinking here. I'm not drinking here. Um, and I definitely like it, 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 the days come along and I just don't even really, you know, think about it anymore. I was definitely getting sort of concerned like I went through the fall, I, I'm thinking about seasons, I went through the fall, I went through winter, okay, that's great, I got that down, and then I was thinking about the spring, and all of a sudden with the warm weather coming, people think like, oh, sit outside, have a drink, and so I've kind of been like prepping myself for that, you know, if I start having those romanticized feelings to just remember like why I wouldn't want to and how what all the other great things are, um, so that's um, helpful and so far we've had a couple like nice days and I haven't you know felt the urge to um, you know thinking like either thinking oh gee I can't drink or oh gee I wish I could or, or you know um, this or that and I keep you know also I still good to just sort of continue the whole process with um, the toolbox and the self-care and you know not that it's 24-7 but I mean I love I love the connections in the Facebook groups and, you know, and, and a couple of people and I have even kind of mentioned, um, message each other. And hopefully at some point, you know, I will get to do some meetups with people. Um, it's just sort of trying to find people that are near us that are, you know, near me. Um, I did sign up, which I know it's not till October, but I just can't wait is, um, the day event that she recovers is having in October. Oh, you'll love that. They're doing uh, a, kind of a touring. Um, yes, you know, and I've been thing in different yes, cities around Canada and the U.S. Yes, year. and I yeah. know you know them very well, and I've been following them on Instagram, and of course heard um, Dawn and her daughter on, on many different podcasts, and I've you know even looked into going on some of their retreats, which someday I will definitely do. It just for this um, um, for this year. There, it just doesn't look like I'd be able to get away for a whole week. But um, when well, I, I saw that, I hope you do it at some point. They're sure great. <laughs> I know. I definitely will. I actually, I if it hadn't been my kids were off last week um, from school, but I would have. I know they were just up in Massachusetts, and that would have been perfect to to do that. Um, but I definitely will do one at some point. Um, but I'm looking forward to that event. Um, and I also, you know, through all of these. Um, 
through all of this time and all of my back and forth, um, there were definitely moments, and I even Googled the websites to find some meetings. There were definitely times where I thought, you know, I should go and, and try an AA meeting and see what that's like because um, I've never done that before, and I, I feel like I know a lot about them only because of all the reading and blogs and posts and many, you know, different people have different um, thoughts. But, um, you know, there's still something I think I might do. Um, I feel like... Um, keeping with my sobriety is almost a little bit like in, in a job with continuing education, which is just always kind of finding new things to sort of, um, you know, that work for you and kind of keep it going, it, you know, not mm-hmm. having it sort of take up your entire life, but just to sort of, um, you know, explore, explore different things that are out there. So I think that's a great idea. And I personally have just started recently going to a women's meeting on occasion just just to be around other women that get this and um you know I didn't I didn't use 12 steps to get sober but I value them as a tool. Yes. And I'm welcome among these women, you know, as as a fellow woman in recovery who who values life without alcohol. And it, it it's really I don't know what I thought it was going to be. Um you know, I, I guess I, I I had sort of the wrong reasons for not going in the beginning, and then after a while, I was like, well, I guess I'm just not using that tool, so you know, I don't. That's not my thing. But eventually, I just kind of got lonely, and yeah, and it was it's a really good thing to do. And and honestly, like there, whatever you think it's going to be, you know, it's just coffee with some other people. That's really what it ends up being. Well, right, exactly. And you know, I mean. You know, I will tell you, certainly my thought about it from a stereotypical standpoint, you know, before I found myself in this situation was that, you know, it was a bunch of people in really bad shape meeting in dark church basements, you know, once a week or something like that. And it's just so, you know, so not that, I I don't think. And I, um, you know, I think so many people say they kind of, you know, some people are, it, it's definitely 100% for them, and it's and it's the reason why they're sober. And for some people, they utilize it as a tool that, you know, they can they can gain some insights from it, and but they may not take all of it. And, and I think that that's um, really important, too, to just sort of be open, um, you know, open-minded to it. So Totally. And, you, you know, the one thing I've kind of started saying lately that I keep repeating it because it makes sense to me, <laughs> But it's that, you know, the, if you, your addiction looks for the differences between us and other people to tell us you're not like them, you're different, it's worse for you, it's better for you, or whatever. Like you're, right. Addiction leverages differences, and recovery leverages similarities. And so if, if we're in a meeting and we find ourselves, you know, or or in any kind of situation where our arms are crossed and we're like, in that place of being negative and ungrateful and I'm special and I'm different and these people don't understand me. Um, We're just feeding the addictive voice in our head, even if it's been asleep for a long time, we're still giving it power. But if we can sit there and be like, okay, I'm not sure I'm really feeling connected to these people, but I'm glad I'm here and I'm going to listen for the similarities. And even if it's someone speaking that is completely different than we are, if we if we can hear something that's similar, you know, we find that humanity that unites us, and that's what makes us stronger in recovery. So, I, you know, I, I have heard lots of people say, like, oh, I went to meetings and they weren't for me, and I left and I drank and because I just didn't want to be like them. And um, that, to me, is like 
the addictive voice was driving the bus at that time. Right. And those same people can find they they go back to the same meeting later and get something out of it. So clearly, it's all about our intake process. But uh, we're over our time because you're okay. so easy to talk to. The time's gone by, so I'm going to leave you with one last question before we go. And I just want to know what you've learned about yourself in the last six-plus months. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think I, I was one of the things I was going to say. I just I I feel like I've learned more of who I want to be. And and to your note about uh, saying about recovery and being so m- much more open, I think I've just I I really am changing. Um, like everything, the way I feel about things, the way I deal with my kids, the way I um, I'm just. I, I'm calmer. I'm different. I, I think I, I listen more. I look differently at at situations. Um, I yeah. I mean, sometimes I think, oh, this is really like a dumb luck that happened to me. But you know, maybe it was a good thing because I think I'm just you know still have a lot of years left here, <laughs> and um, hopefully, knock on wood. And I just am interested in seeing how I kind of unfold and and what kind of happens now in my future. I just, I feel like I have so much um, hope that I didn't have, you know, and every night I go to bed now and I I feel safe and I wake up in the morning and I feel good about myself and I hug my kids at, kiss, hug and kiss kiss my kids at night um, and definitely my relationship with my 14-year-old daughter has changed immensely in this in this last 6 months which is huge for me because I want to be able to be there and and be a great mom for her as she goes through her high school years cuz oh, that's tough for a girl um so yeah I don't know if I really answered that well enough but <laughs> oh you answered it beautifully and that is just a very heartwarming beautiful note on which to end our discussion thank you so much for telling your story and shining your light and sharing your hope with all of us i really appreciate it oh thank you so much for having me Jean. i appreciate it so much thank you listeners if you have any feedback for liz if you heard something and you want to send her a message you can uh, send it through me the bubble hour at gmail.com and i will make sure that liz gets your message that's all we have for this week everyone so until next time take good care I did that, not proud, but that was me, and when I face it, I take back a little dignity, not looking for excuses, I just want to be free from power, weakness head on me. In a dark corner is where shame lies behind. You're strong just cause you keep it on the side It's just safe and wait there To rob you of your pride Turn the light on, turn the light on You can't shine When you say, oh, I did that Now proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity I'm not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power.